welcome. We have a awesome new uh, person on the show today. Uh, we've got the lovely Sean Bates from New Zealand. I don't think I've met Sean personally, uh, but I thought I'd get him on to as uh, he's one of the top players in New Zealand. Um, so I thought I'd get him on and just chat to him and sort of learn about him as a Warhammer player. Um, how have you been, Sean? Kia ora, Sam, and Australia, and the rest of the listeners. Uh, no, I don't think we've met, bro. Uh, I've been to Aussie three times so far, so a couple of CanCons, and yep. uh, of course, the infamous Sydney GT that I won. But other than that, <laughs> I, I don't think we've met, bro, but like CanCon's just such an experience as it is. So it's, I've only so- been to the 2019 CanCon, I think it was, or the 2020 one, yeah. whatever the last one was. Yeah, so that would be 2020. I was there too, dude, but... So it was like 250 yeah, yeah. other dudes. So, you know, yeah, that's like, right. It's a bit hard to chat to everyone. Yeah, it's, you've got to really work that room, eh, if you want to meet everyone. So, yeah. So, yeah, but no, I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, too. I'm looking forward to awesome. having a yarn. And no worries. You're most welcome. All that sort of shit. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get into it then. So, how did you get into playing tabletop wargaming or even just playing ta- with tabletop miniatures? Uh, so, I have like the most like classic wargaming intro story or probably one of the most common ones they eh? like we had a a games workshop um on the like in the same building that we had a cinema and so like mm-hmm. you had to walk past games workshop every time you went into hoyts or whatever it was called the cinema and uh i was about like nine ten at the time i live in new zealand lord of rings was huge in this country and it was, it was like all at the same time and I sort of always walked past it and looked at the models in the window, but never really gone in. Uh, and then a couple of mates of mine just happened to go in one day and just told me all about it. And they did, you know, like the painting sessions. And I was, I was pretty hooked at a young age. Uh, you know, like I've always been into to fantasy specifically. Like I like sci-fi <laughs> as well, but my heart's probably more leans towards fantasy if I had to choose between the two. And yeah, yeah, so I, and this is, you know, I'm pretty free now, I think. And um, so this is 20 odd years ago, a little more. And uh, I just went into the store with my parents and they were happy for me to like build and paint stuff. And I think they were shocked at the prices, you know, given, (laughs) given um, us Oceania people do it rough down the side of the world with the prices, eh? And yeah, we do. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, and I played it for a couple of years. And so I got to, to high school or college, depending on what part of the world you're in. And um, I had other priorities like sports and all that other shit, school and socializing and the rest of it. And like my mates just stopped playing it. So I stopped playing it. Yeah. And then sort of I got to the age of about maybe 26. So maybe 20, wait, when was the end times? 2015. So yeah, whenever, however old I was in 2015. <laughs> uh, I, I was just like I, I, I started downloading podcasts and I started really getting into podcasts and uh, because I got a desk job so I can listen to a lot of podcasts without sort of active listening and um, and then I just happened to like by chance just stumble across I think it was a Black Sun uh, which was a old Warhammer Fantasy and Age Sigma podcast by Chris Tomlin and mm-hmm. I downloaded it just to check it out. And they were doing like a tournament review. And I was like, oh, shit, this sounds cool. So I jumped online and, and I was having a look around. And uh, the end times was like in progress, but it was like the end of the end times. Where like Archeon had come out and the world had blown up and 
everyone was just like, nah, this game's shit. You know, it's round bases, blah, blah, blah. So the community was super fractured. And I sort of just sat on the sidelines for like six months and watched the world burn, eh? And didn't commit to it. Yep. <laughs> but I didn't yep. really want to spend the time or money. And from what I could see, the New Zealand community was very, very fractured at the time. And sort of the old guard were very anti age of sigma and were more interested in like kings of war or ninth age or 40k so i didn't even know if i'd have anyone to play against um yeah about six months after the end times sort of like ended 2015 started 2016 i was just like ah, oh, I, was, I was listening to all these podcasts you know um face ever at the time which was really good black sun um fuck i can't name anymore because they're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's first one, Bravery One. That's right. That's what it was called. Yeah, that's what um, it was called. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and some others, and and obviously like the Dwellers as well. I was a big fan of as well as uh, Shadow Dwellers, uh, and those are some American ones. And like people in the UK, especially, were talking about how awesome it was going to work your mates for a weekend, playing tournaments, playing competitively, and like having drinks and dinners and the social and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. So I just jumped in at that point and I, and I committed, I jumped in feet first and I haven't looked back. Um, and luckily it paid off because for the first six months, it was pretty shaky. Eh? It was probably count the number of AOS players in this country on your hands and feet for, for a good six months or so. Eh? Oh, wow. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. So it's a bit of a smaller scene then. Hmm. Definitely at the time, you know, back in, back when the world that was blew up, these these days it's far more active, um, which is good. It's not something like Australia, you know, we have like 5 million people living in this country. You guys have, yeah, what, 30 million? And then we got 20 or something. Or so, yeah. 20 or 30. So we're, yeah. we're probably one of the smallest communities in the world, to be fair. Uh, but we're, mm -hmm. we're still active. And COVID has really done a number on us because of... Um, COVID restrictions within New Zealand, which has been, um, which have kept us safe for two years essentially. Uh, but it yep. also means you can't really plan anything with any certainty because they, mm -hmm. you know, COVID's a bitch. So fuck it. Um, but no, we're, we're on the come. We're on the come. We're coming back, man. This is going to be good. You know, we've got Masters coming up in next month. So that's awesome. And we've had events oh, start nice. up on the regular, um, you yep. know, which is great. So. Oh, that's good to see. So what do you think drew you in when you were like 26 or so? Why do you think the, obviously you listen to the podcast as well, but what about it all drew you into playing again? Because you didn't sound like you had any friends playing. It was just randoms that you were sort of catching up with. Was it the competitiveness or are you walking for like a, a bigger social group or what do you think pulled you back in? Yeah, right. So it is, there's a couple of things there. So uh, like a lot of my childhood mates that played uh, Warhammer Fantasy 5th edition or whatever it was back in the day, 6th edition, I tried to get back in and they were just like, nah, you know, <laughs> we're buying houses or having families and stuff. We don't have time for that. So it's like, oh, stink. Uh, but I've, I've <laughs> always been a competitive individual. Like I played a lot of competitive sports when I was younger. And uh, the honestly, yeah, I just think my competitive side is it's where I'm at it's sort of what drew me and it's not so much the hobby to be like very blatantly honest uh, <laughs> you know but 
I, I just heard these people on podcasts, as I keep mentioning, talk about going away to tournaments. And one thing I love doing as a teenager and, and like in my um, young adulthood was going away to like sports tournaments with teammates and stuff like that. And having that weekend away where it's all hype and you're getting involved in, in the same sport and you're all there doing the exact same thing. And also to travel, like I fucking love traveling, man. So, you know, getting out of town for a weekend, uh, you know, without the family uh, or even with the family or with mates or going internationally, it's just, it's just the fucking best. But yeah, I just heard of these people on podcasts having great times. And I just thought, shit, you know, this sounds like something I really, would like I did like playing Warhammer when I was a teenager. Uh, I'm sure I got all the rules wrong, but whatever. You know, I'm an adult now. I have some money. I have some time. Let's let's give it a go. I've always enjoyed competitive games. I've played a lot of online games in a competitive sense, um, not mm-hmm. as hardcore as Corey, who was like a pro gamer in a Mario house in Perth or wherever it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like cool, man. Uh, but. That's like, the, that's like the tippity top of pro gaming is when you're in a gaming house. Yeah, man, no, there's none of that. Probably one of the yeah the rare ones that were even in Australia or New Zealand. There wouldn't be many of them around either. No, no way. I did a lot of World of Warcraft from like, ever since it came out to like the mid-2010s, I guess you'd say, and doing like Race to World First and shit like that. And at the time, the concept of a streaming house was so foreign, you know, in 2009, 2010. Yeah. Uh, and I played, was playing a lot of League of Legends at the time as well. And the community in League of Legends is super toxic. And uh, I got sick of people, like, as soon as you screw up, just hide behind the keyboard and call people pretty offensive names. So I was like, oh, you know, it's probably about time that I that I go out and socialize a bit, and, like, meet some new people and, and play this game and roll dice. Um, and if it's half as good as what I remember it was, you know, then... Let's let's give it a go, and that's what I did. But it was the idea of sort of one-on-one competition, and doing it in person instead of over a keyboard, you know, as well was mm-hmm. was something that I missed from my teenage years when I was playing competitive football and competitive cricket and the like. So you know, uh, so that was really it. It was just sort of filling that void. That's what drew me to it. And how did you get into going to tournaments? Because I think most people sort of played for like six months or so casually and then sort mm. of heard about a tournament or heard it from locals. How did you sort of get into the tournament scene then? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same, eh? Like, I just wanted to play games. I just wanted to play. I was like, how can I play the most amount of games in the shortest amount of time? I was like, I'm going to go to a tournament, you know, and that's what it was. And the first tournament I ever went to was a GW, like, one-day tournament on the Sunday before the general's handbook even existed and i played four or five games that day and the rules were made up and but it was the tits man like i fucking <laughs> loved it you know I, I got to meet a couple of people i met this guy aiden who i still know today don't know the other people that played there but like i've known him for ages and that was one of the first games i played was against him and that was um mm-hmm. and then the gw one was just like i only did it because it was on and then there was a local tournament uh just a one day uh free round tournament the weekend of the first ever ghb coming out in 2016 and um the guy was running the tournament got an advanced copy and back then the ghb the very first one had a free week um preview period where all the local gw and hobby stores had a copy so like everyone knew the rules sort of three weeks before it was released so we played it bang on the weekend of release and uh 
that was the first proper tournament I ever went to and I actually came second at that because because hurricanes were broken back in the day so yeah um, <laughs> but yeah and and that's that was it man went to the first tournament I just wanted to play games I just wanted to play games and meet people and um well actually to be fair I just wanted to play games but in hindsight I fucking love meeting people at tournaments I didn't know in 2016 that there were so many cool dudes and guys and girls, sorry, girls in this hobby uh, at the time that I started going to my first tournaments. I purely just wanted to play as many games as quickly as possible. So three games in a day sounded like fucking heaven. And then it was, you know, after about the second or third tournament I went to, I was like, there's some dope people out there. We should go to more tournaments and meet them. And that, and that was it, man. The rest was history, yeah. Yeah. And what sort of army did you jump feed in first with then? Because you got straight into the tournament scene pretty early on. Yeah, so first army ever was... Uh, oh, when I was a kid, it was Dark Elves because fucking Dark Elves rock. And when you're like nine years old, what's, <laughs> what's fucking call it in a Dark Elf with a crossbow and a spear? Yeah. But, but in my adult years, uh, the first army I, I picked up was Empire because they had a okay. they had like a big expansive range and they seemed like they were pretty core to the storyline up until Age of Sigma so I figured they would be like somewhat current throughout whatever happened in Age of Sigma you know it turns out I was mm-hmm. pretty wrong about that but I just wanted an army that could <laughs> yeah, very wrong <laughs> yeah but I just wanted an army that could like shoot or could magic or could combat you know just like a jack of all trades army really and then yep. uh, they released the first of those uh the big Grand Alliance um, Compendium Battle Tomes, if if you're around back then, Sam, they like chucked. I've seen them, yeah. but I never ever really touched any of them. That's for sure. Yeah, so I've got the order one in my garage, and it's like fucking 400 pages or something. Okay, it's got like oh, every wow. War Scroll of the Order Army at that time, which was really cool, and it was like 50 bucks. It's pretty cheap, and it's cheap these compared to these days. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you didn't. You didn't get anything out of it other than a couple of rules and the rules sort of Skyborne Slayers, which is pretty cool. Um, I think that's still the only place Skyborne Slayers is in. But, you know, Battalion's... Yeah, I don't, a, I've never think I've ever seen it anywhere. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've never picked up the order. Yeah, it, it's a thing of the past anyway. But, uh, so yeah, I had this Empire Army. I thought it was cool as shit. And then that big book that I just described dropped. And I was like, ah, oh, this seems to be breaking them up because it was like, all the artillery was Iron World Arsenal, and then all the majors mm-hmm. were Collegiate Arcanum, and then all like all the rest of the Empire was um, was just Free Guild. That's right, they were called Free Guild, and they got rid of all okay. the all the named characters. And the first model I actually ever brought was Carl Franz on his Griffin <laughs> because when I was when I was a kid, I had a special characters because we thought they were all too fucking bent. So of course, when I was an adult. First thing I did was buy a special character. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to have Carl Franz. I'm going to have the Emperor of Men. He's going to be so good. Let's fucking go. And um, <laughs> and then like, and he came to workshop, had other ideas from him, fucking killed him like eight months later. So, <laughs> you know, so that sucks. Um, so that big book dropped and I sort of sort of writing on the wall that this one all jack of all trades army that I thought I was going to collect has been broken up into like three or four sub-factions so probably a good time to get out so i jumped on stormcast uh because i figured 
they're the poster boys. They're always going to be supported. They're going to be in every big brand new edition box and battle box because they're, you know, if you just look at Space Marines, I assumed they were going to be the exact same thing as Space Marines as the 40K as, as Stormcasters to Age of Sigma. And I'm right, you know, and they had yeah. all this shit. And um, over the years, they've got, you know, they got range units, they got cavalry units, they got dragons, they got more dragons. They got wizards. They got everything you wanted yeah. out of that yeah. free so, guild book, essentially. Yeah, man. Stormcast. Exactly. Exactly. So, and plus, I always like the good guys, and I quite like the idea of like the paladin, you know, all in, all in armor and okay. being all for justice and shit. So, so I jumped, <laughs> so I jumped on Stormcast, and yeah, and it's been my primary army. Uh, well, one of my armies now, but definitely my primary army of the last five six years. So, yeah. Yeah. And how did you find them? Because I don't think they were... Were they super competitive at the start? Oh, they were fucking bent. Um, they were so good. But that's because they had a battle mm-hmm. time and no one else did. And GW were releasing battle times every six, seven months. So um, the okay. best Stormcast battle time ever was their third battle time. They're now on five. But they released a battle, like they released a Stormcast battle time when AOS came out. And then they released the Extremist battle time, which was Fulminators and... Uh, Drake's one Templar and all that sort of stuff. So like the, the original OG dragons. And then when Sylvaneth got their first proper book, which was the first proper book um, after the General's Handbook, which had like spell laws and artifacts and battalions. Sylvaneth got that immediately after the original General's Handbook. Then Stormcast got their third book um, just after that, like six months later. So Stormcast had like three books in like 18 months. It was crazy. Yep. But that, that third book was fucking so good. I mean, like, the rules were the solid battalions were like 20 points and they'd make you one drop and they'll give you so many good abilities. Um, was that where Vanguard Wing came from? Yes, that was the Vanguard Wing book and the Warrior Brotherhood book as well. And the Aether Strike okay. Force book, which was a battalion which you just took all the shooting, like all the Paladors and long strikes, and whenever a unit died, you got to shoot at it with other units in the battalion. Uh, but the battalions were so cheap was the was the issue was why the book was so good is you could literally have right. four or five battalions for a hundred points and every battalion got your another artifact and the rest of it but um zinch came out about the same time as well the first inch book and um and then in the next GHB they just put all the points up because they realized battalions were were like very very good and very abusive mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I went from spending like a hundred points for two battalions, maybe to 400 points for two battalions. And the Stormcast became very overcosted at the same time. So they went mm-hmm. for a bit of a dark period after that. Um, Did you feel you wanted to stay with the Stormcast as like a army that was probably losing its competitive edge and want to jump onto the next competitive army? Or did you sort of normally stick with your armies for a few years and then sort of get bored of the way they were and then jump onto another army? Yeah, so I I've played Stormcast like throughout consistently, but I probably played Stormcast just and like only Stormcast for about two years because the army range was so big. So I was always buying okay. shit to build it. So um, I I I didn't jump on them because they were competitive. I just jumped on them because they're poster boys, and I got off them because mm-hmm. I was kind of bored of how they played at the time. To be honest, because we had a couple of random GHBs where. Um, they had missions that if you had 20 or more models, you held the objective until you had 
less than 20 models in that. And I was like, well, I'm still in class. I have five dudes in a unit, you know, like they went through, because of the mission design at the time, they went through a couple of really rough patches, like a couple of years from um, the end of AOS 1 into, a into AOS 2. Um, but I did get to a point where I got bored of them and I brought a corn army because I mm. was like, at the time, Stormcast didn't combat well at all. And I was like, I'm just going to get a very hard hitting combat army. Should have brought Daughters of Cain. I didn't. I brought corn. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted some monsters. So I was like, I'm going to run Scarbrand and I'm going to, um, you know, Reapers of Vengeance double pile them and he's going to consistently do 36 mortal wounds a turn, if not more. And that's what I did. I, I just brought a corn army that was built around one list and I haven't really added to it since. And um, yeah, I love playing my corn. It's super fun. It's, it's, it's really good. Mm -hmm. so. And how did you find, so you've got other armies, like I know you've got your Lumineth and stuff, but how did you find jumping from an army that sort of wasn't super aggressive to then go on to aggressive um, corn army? How, like sort of how does that relate to your play style as well? Yeah, so it was it was very foreign for me at first because the way I played my Stormcast, so I've played Shootcast since before Shootcast was a thing. Um, like, since, you know, before what it is now. Um, I've been playing Long Strikes for fucking five years or so. No one, in, no one in this world has more Long Strikes than me. I think I have about 24 built and I've got about another 18 new in box. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, now's the, the time internet. to sell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're going up in value. Um, no, they won't be. They'll be going down. But so I always played uh, a lot of shooting because Stormcast at the time were very and still do have very small model counts, you know, but they didn't have the Stormkeep back then. So it was just one for one. So how I used to play my Stormcast is I used to sit back and shoot and try to thin out ranks before I had to commit models to objectives. So I'd concede early game to win sort of turn three, four, five. But I had to have that constant yep. pressure from range to be able to make up for lack of models on objectives. So that's what I that's how I played my Stormcast. So I was shooting shit, making holes, plugging the holes with my troops, trying to win the game like that, trying to win late game, which is why I also hate yep. slow players, because if I if I never got to turn four, I'd never win a game because I was always down heavy points turn one and two. But that's how I played. Yeah. And then Going to Corn, uh, like I haven't played all the models in Corn because, like as I mentioned, I, I literally built a list. I was like, "This is dope as fuck." I'm going to buy all the models I need for this list, and I only have a few more models outside of that list. So my Corn list has been consistently pretty same same, which is more or less mm -hmm. been using a Fury Furster to make shit pile in six inches guaranteed. So I'd run my Blood Fursters around the board, and I'll just move and run them knowing that I could guarantee their combat, especially prior to AOS 3. Now in AOS 3, it's different because you can redeploy. But I'm like, I know this yep. Bloodthirster can go 22 inches into combat a turn guaranteed. Um, so, yeah, it was... I don't know, man. I'm not really answering your question in a good way. I didn't find the transition yeah. too hard because I just had an idea in my mind. And I was playing the idea more than I was playing the army, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, but I just wanted to do combat I think as well. more... Sort of like, because obviously the Stormcast list that you normally sort of play was a bit more con sort of slow control play and you got to react and pick where you wanted to take things. Yeah. But then you're going into this hyper-aggressive army. How did you find that sort of switch as a player? That's probably uh, a better way to ask the question. Yeah, so I remember there was this one game against, this might summarize it, eh? 
this might just explain it. Mm-hmm. I was playing against my mate Mitch. Uh, shout out Mitch. Uh, he was playing Skaven back when Skaven was super good, and I was playing my Corn. And I'd never really played a, a heavy combat versus a range army because he had like War Blighting Cannons and Acolytes and um, Catapults and all that sort of shit, all that usual Skaven stuff and Giselles yeah. and so on. Um, and I'd never played as a melee player against the range army. I played plenty as a range into the melee army. And um, the, the long story is that I sat on, I played it like my Stormcast where I sort of sit back and then push late but I had nothing to trade with him in the interim. And he just tabled me yep. by like turn three, I think it was, maybe even turn two. Because I had his blood versus dancing on my board edge. And he was just gunning down everything. And I was like, well, I better make a move. And then he just gunned me down. I was like, oh, okay. So like, so I mean, corn, corn hate shooting. But yep. that was an adjustment where I was like, okay, I need to be more aggressive. I need to, you know, um, position my stuff better. I need to accept that there's going to be casualties. And I can't just, you know, avoid the issue, which is this range units by being out of range the whole game because I'll lose on objectives or he'll just gun me down over the course of five turns. So yep. that was that's one game that I remember because that was like, I don't even think I killed anything in his army and he tailed me and he... <laughs> yeah, it was not good, eh? How did you... Did you enjoy playing, like once you sort of learned how to get the corn army up and going and being aggressive with it, did you stick with those sort of armies like later on or did you find you transitioned to other similar armies to your Stormcast? Uh, no, I didn't I didn't find similar armies. So the way I describe it, dude, is like Stormcast is my first love. I've always played Stormcast. Mm-hmm. They can do everything because they have every unit to do everything. They have a tool for every job. My corn army is like, it's like my golf, you know, it's like what I do to relax and have fun and try some shit yep. and have a laugh. <laughs> and then my Luminef mm. is like, I want to fry my fucking brain and I want to win the hero phase and bully the magic and I will win by the end of this game through like thinking two, three turns ahead with like setting traps and, uh, you know, right time spells and stuff like that and keeping one certain areas. So um mm-hmm. no it hasn't really transitioned they're all sort of like you know one's like my love child one is my what i like to do in the weekends you know and then the other one is just like okay i think i want to win games and i want to be like extremely strategic and i want to have a bit of a, a mind fuck here which is illuminate so yeah i don't really have a consistent place so across across all of them to be honest okay yeah no that's fair enough but i think I think most people that sort of play those, even like the Stormcast or the Lumef armies, always have that fun little army where it's five big monsters or something like that that they just throw around the board. And if you can deal with it, it's a big loss for you. But if they can't deal with your sort of army, you just trounce through their whole thing. And it's like, a, at the moment, it's like a 20 game. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because that's what I've been doing at the moment. Because I've got like Skaven and Gits and Soulblight and they're like my thinking army uh-huh. and then i've got these five or these three stone horns and craggy running <laughs> around as my weekend fun army yeah your fuckstick army yep yeah i see yeah, yeah yeah and how did so you've sort of been into a few tournaments now how did you go in your sort of the first few tournaments and then how have you gone more recently as well yeah so my first proper tournament i came second at which was just a one day 2k free game so i was really stoked with that and that was that was definitely something i was not expecting like i probably took the game the second most seriously at the tournament 
excuse me, but my okay. but my skill set was definitely not there. I think I just I just had a better army. I had a couple of Hurricanes um, in a in a in an Empire army, and Hurricanes back in the day just used to do so much work. And uh, so that was my first army. But I, I've I've done it all, man. I've gone five zero. I've won tournaments. I've won masters. I'm a current New Zealand master, so I won it last year. Uh, I, Congratulations! Yeah, cheers, bro. It, it sounds real wanky <laughs> when I say it out loud, but it's, it's not a humble brag. I mean, someone's going to be a master somewhere, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially for my last name, at least. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to stress that, like, I've I've won tournaments and I've also like lost. I don't think I've ever come last, but I've come pretty close. So, like, there's been some yeah. there's been some weekends where I haven't done very well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, ever since COVID, so. My last big major tournament was CanCon 2020, uh, and I went four four two Stormcast um, back in OS two with my Shootcast and um, Eels that I um, allied in from Idnef, which was cool. Um, yep. And I came like fiftieth or something like that. I don't know. I wasn't too fast to be honest. It was, it was pretty bad. And then uh, that's the that's like the biggest last tournament I've been. To. I mean, it's the biggest tournament in the world. So obviously. Uh, and then ever since yeah. COVID, <laughs> over the last two years, I've probably only been to about four or five tournaments, I think. And okay. uh, one of them was Masters, which I won. I went to one like three weeks ago, got second with my Luminef. Um, I went to a, a tournament before that last year, just before AOS 2. And I got like fourth or third as well. And then, um, but then also I took a Stormcast, um, six long strikes and four Fulminators list to a two-day 20-man tournament we had here and i came like 15 i went two and five two and three and it was and that's like a pretty meta list it's pretty meta combo man but unfortunately mm. i played three seraphon armies that just like just ate me up eh? so yeah yeah i've had i've had all sorts of success and failures man eh? like i've i've played mm-hmm. enough i've probably played i don't know 40 50 tournaments in the last five years so six years so I've, yeah I've been around the block, man. So I've never really pretty seasoned as a tournament player. Then, yeah, like I was, I was sort of consistently good at the start of AOS, but I think there was a couple of things. I took it way more seriously than a lot of people, and I also had new battle times because I was playing Stormcast. And then in the middle there, I had a bit of a lull, and then recently I've been playing better again as well. So that's that's good um, for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, man, like I've never, I'm not like Dave Kerr. I'm never consistently winning or like podium at every event I go to, you know. I'm more like a yep. Chris Welfare where I was like good at some point and then crap and then okay. You know? <laughs> Call me out, <like> Chris. <laughs> I would say it's Chris because we're mates and I met him at CanCon, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, man. So I've I've been around the block, you know. I'm I'm pretty pretty seasoned. Yeah. Well, at least you're sort of at the moment you're on a bit of a high then with your masters, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So I've, you've got it. Yeah. You've got at least that for you going around. Yeah, I just, I just did um, what your current masters did, Matt, and I took a a broken new book to a, a masters tournament when he took OBR to the Australian masters. And <laughs> OBR. I just took Luminef to our masters, and everyone was like, "The fuck is this?" Dude? And I was like, "Let me tell you, it does whatever yeah. I want." So and they don't know how, how to handle it all. Yes, it's a new source. So yeah. Yeah, how how is like New Zealand scene in general? Like, what sort of maybe not like recent times because obviously COVID's sort of been a big issue. 
but in sort of like are they quite is it quite a competitive sort of scene uh, there's a lot of narrative tournaments going around and like sort of what sort of numbers are available because you guys are mainly just the North Island, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So and, then, and then how is like the South Island scene, like all, sort of overall is a New Zealand sort of scene? Because a lot of people don't sort of hear about these smaller nations of New Zealand as much. Yeah, and that's fair to say, man, because I think it's up to us to like champion what we do. And, you know, it's up to mm-hmm. us to, to talk shit on the world stage or promote ourselves if we want to. You know, like you can't expect other people to talk about uh, to talk about you. So... Yeah, so in New Zealand, uh, we're, as I mentioned, 5 million people or so. I think we've got about 140 people off the top of my head on the rankings letter for our masters. So that means we've had okay. 140 unique people come to tournaments. Um, a pretty stock standard size tournament, to be honest, is about is in the low 20s um, at the minute. So there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one... There's, there's like three major centers that we play hammer in, in this country. There's Christchurch who are in the South Island and they pretty much stay in the South Island and they don't travel, but they have a really cool community mm-hmm. that's self-sufficient down there. And they have like low 20 amount of players. So, but they have events okay. like every other month and they just sort of look after themselves and they're cool. And there's some really nice guys down there mm-hmm. as well, but they don't seem to travel. There's people in Wellington who have Wellington's traditionally, which is where I live, it's in the middle of the country. Traditionally being called the, the AOS capital in New Zealand because we had the most players. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, we travel, we get out and get around the country and we do tournaments, but there's not a lot of people that want to run tournaments outside of um, the local clubs, to be honest. So there's not a lot of TOs that are just doing it by themselves who like organize a venue and the tables and the boards and the mats and the train and all that sort of to tax that comes along with it we have a lot of we have like two or three clubs within wellington and they all run like an annual convention they call it like a con um okay so it'll be like club con and they'll hire out a big school hall and they'll have like a hundred players but they'll rent space to uh different game systems essentially and they'll say mm-hmm. aos can have 30 players 40k can have 30 players flames of war can have 10 you know Malifaux can have five, whatever it may be. And so a lot yeah. of people just TO those because the clubs organize uh, the boards and the fees for the venue and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then there's Auckland, which is the biggest city in New Zealand by far. And it should honestly have far more players, but it doesn't. But they have a really awesome supportive hobby store up there that runs okay. like events every other month. And um, they're somewhat like Christchurch, where um, they're sort of self-sufficient. They have a good club. They have a couple of good clubs. They have a really good hobby store who's super supportive and plays AOS himself. And they have like a good amount of players, but they do travel. So that's the difference mm-hmm. between them and Christchurch really is that they, they travel a bit more. So um, our biggest event that we had was the Notorious GT that we ran back in 2019 that me and um, Tubby ran. And we had 50 players yep. from that. We had four or five players from Australia as well. Um, okay. So that was cool. And uh, we were wanting to build on that, but then COVID just shut us down the last two years. But we are actually bringing that back in October of this year. But unfortunately, our regular venue is um, booked out. So we're capping it at 40 players, which we should be good to sell out. Um, but yeah, so we're pretty spread out. And that's a long-winded way of answering your question, dude. 
Like we don't have the. No, that's right. Exactly what I sort of wanted. Unfortunately. Yeah. Mainly because. And how? Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I mean, there's like a quarter of the size population-wise, and obviously there's only three major sort of centers anyway. Because we've got GW stores absolutely everywhere. I think there's like maybe twenty or thirty. Yeah. Sort of on the eastern side of Australia. I think we have four in the whole country. So. Yeah. There's yeah. a massive difference. I'm quite surprised that maybe weather doesn't pull a lot more people in. So maybe that's maybe why part of Wellington is the gaming hub, do you think? Yeah, so Witter, um so do you mean like just Witter to brand pulling people in or do you mean like... Or like Witter, because everyone know, sort of knows that Witter's workshops in Wellington. Do yeah. you think that pulls in a few more people of interest Yeah, to I, sort of get into the side of it? Yeah, so we have, so we have a really strong hobby, sorry, Hobbit community in Wellington. Like, <laughs> no, no surprise. We have a very big Hobbit and Lord of the Rings community who do very, very well. Uh, and mm-hmm. they actually do well across the country, but they're very big in Wellington. Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you, man. Like, we've got two GWs in Wellington, which is more than anywhere else. I mean, we're only a city of like three to 400,000 people. Auckland's like almost 2 million and they only have one GW from what I know. So, I don't know. We do have a lot of Weta players, though. Like, a lot of people that work at Weta also play hammer or 40k or whatever okay. it may be we also have um Weta does a lot of international recruitment so we get a lot of brits that come here on short-term contracts and and quite mm-hmm. often you'll find that they play as well but because the life of a contractor is you know you work as much as you can in as short a period as you yeah. can to get paid as much as you can they quite often don't have time to do stuff outside of making movies so yeah, I mean, I would obviously like more players. Um, I'm not, you know, the pandemic's been rough for us like it has everyone else. So I'm, I'm not yeah. fussed. Like the community's cool and it's not yeah. as big as I want it to be, but I'm pretty selfish. So, you know, it's not about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you um, find many people transition to TTS when COVID hit New Zealand? Because COVID hit New Zealand pretty hard, maybe in ter- not in terms of the actual virus, but more in terms of lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah so we were did many of your crew or even just sort of people you know of go to tts and play online yeah definitely so um so like australia we had back in 2020 we had like oh fuck i think eight to 12 weeks of hard lockdown when corona first hit um Mm -hmm. and yeah we played a lot of us that just turned to tts especially um, a lot of the people who play are tradies and didn't lose their jobs because if you were like a builder or whatever, like Tubby was at the time, he wasn't allowed to go to work for like six, seven weeks because he wasn't essential service. So he just sat around playing games all day and paid for it, um, albeit half his salary, <laughs> but, you know, he, he had a good time. It's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And um, and there was other people who were in the same boat. So, yeah, we did we did jump on TTS and... Um, I did get to play a few people overseas, which is really cool. And I was super keen and I did sign up for a couple of the UK tournaments, but I, yep. um, I could work from home the whole time throughout the, the pandemic. So um, and the UK is like 12 hours behind us. So they would have a, a tournament starting yeah. at, you know, like 8am on a Saturday, which would be 8pm my time on a Saturday night. And I always thought yeah, it was I a went... good idea, and I never, and I never pulled the trigger because I didn't want to be playing Warhammer all through the night. 
It was I I pulled the trigger once. Um, mm-hmm. It was quite rough. It was just one of the one of the one dayer ones. Like it wasn't too massive. Yep. I think it was the second Hammer Time event or whatever it was, and that was quite uh-huh. rough. Playing at eight p.m. till about four a.m. in the morning. Yeah, man. It was the last so, game, and that yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> Yeah, I would have just. I thought been... give, uh, at least I gave it a go, um, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. It's sort of a rough sort of thing, that's for sure. Yeah, and like the pandemic was such a weird time. I like the initial lockdown. I just didn't want to be working and then working as long as I was, and then playing video games my whole weekend, and then going back to work being exhausted. So I always, I always wanted to yeah. do it, but I never. I was too scared, you know. I was too scared. I just played, <laughs> just played it like appropriate yep. times. So. You know, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Have you got any plans to come over to New Zealand? Because you've had a bit of a call out from Gammy. Oh, Gammy. Uh, he wants you. Such <laughs> he a wants you to come to Brisbane. But have you got any? Um, like, are you planning on coming to any Australian tournaments at all? Yeah. So I guess Gammy's eager for me to to shoot him off again, like I did at CanCon 2019. So Gammy was actually <laughs> the first Australian I played at CanCon. Uh, I played a couple of games the day before outside of cancon but um yep. he was playing as cunning ruck and i was playing um i think nine long strikes and a couple of relictors and a frost heart phoenix and um yeah he gave me first and i shot off his big boss so he couldn't do cunning rock thingy and then um and i think i, I think we called it after about three turns <laughs> or so which is cool um so i really enjoyed playing gimme and also he didn't mind me fucking sweating on the table because i'm a big lad and it was like 42 degrees in that shit on that day. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sweaty. And Gammy is such like a good looking man. I was like, fuck. He's gonna... Was it nervous sweats, was it? <laughs> no, it was just hot, man. It was just really fucking hot. Like, Because I'm a big boy, it doesn't take me much to sweat, you know? So I was like, oh, this guy's first impression is going to be like, who's this sweaty fucking Kiwi? <laughs> But anyway, so uh, no, I'd love to. I, I'd absolutely love to. And the borders in this country have have recently opened up, which is pretty dope. Um, unfortunately, all my family have booked holidays to come here in June from overseas. I'm I'm one of five kids, and uh, there were four okay. of them live overseas, um, and they've just all decided to come back to New Zealand at the same time. So I imagine I have to take some time for that. But I was talking to Tubby about it one night and we definitely do want to come back over for an event this year. And then we want to come back for CanCon if CanCon's happening in January again, now that, you know, everyone's vaccinated and you can travel and not have to spend time in hotels and stuff like that. Um, so I'm just going to have to keep an eye out for, for events uh, from about probably July onwards, to be honest. And yeah. I would love to do a Brisbane event because I've met a bunch of Brisbane lads um, you know, I've chatted to Dave, chatted to Gammy, chatted to Gabe, um, I've had Clint over at my house, Gammy. you know, the failed charge <laughs> lads, you know, like I, yeah. I'm big fans of them and I, yeah, I definitely want to come back, man. Like, and I, I probably, like, I'd put pretty good money on that. I'll be back over to some, uh, not this time, sorry, I'll be back over to sometime this year. And then again for camp on 2023, if that happens. I just got to find an event and I'd love to do Brisbane because I've done Sydney. So I'd like to do Brisbane Mm -hmm. and I'd like to do Melbourne, but Melbourne don't seem to play Hammer anymore. So. No, um, I'm giving up. It's just Victoria now. Bloody uh, Bendigo boy seems to be a major contingent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's flying into Melbourne and driving to Bendigo, but I've got a sister in 
Brisbane as well, so I might have to spend some time with her, but we'll see. Yeah. What a shame! <laughs> Travel over yeah, to yeah. spend time with family. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, no, she's cool. She's cool, and the family's cool. But like, you know, I kind of like doing these sneaky weekends where I just go for like a couple of days, and I take as little time off work yeah. as I have to, and then I get back to work, and everyone's like, "Oh, so how's your weekend?" I was like, "Ah, I'm really tired, but I'm not telling you what I've done." You know, because <laughs> so, I, I don't really talk about hammer at the workplace. It's people ask way too many questions. It takes way too much time. But yeah, so. Yeah, fair but, enough. No, Gabby, I definitely want to be back over, man. Mm-hmm. How is, speaking about your family, how has your partner found playing with Warhammer? It's sort of a, quite a bigger, like, Warhammer takes over people's lives. Like, yeah, it does. How, is, it does. how have they found them? Yeah, so like a lot of other people, I have like, quite an obsessive personality at times when I'm really into something. I'm really into it, whether it be sports or video games or Warhammer. You know, initially she wasn't too hot about it, to be fair. Uh, she wasn't, um, she took some convincing because okay. because of the prices and we're at a different time in our lives at the time. We had a, a younger son who's now a teenager. So that's cool. And I yep. sort of sold it like, uh, me, and, me and our boy can play together. And she was like, oh, cool. But we never really did. Like we did a little bit of table hammer and then I was like, okay, cool. Like your mum's all right with me <laughs> spending thousands of dollars on plastic. Let's go. You know, yeah. so um but now she's really cool now like she's super cool about it she's just like you know whatever like, if you want to travel overseas and spend money go nuts you know if you want to buy stuff go nuts we're at, we're at a different time in our life man we've got you know we've got a bit of resource behind us now and, and we're comfortable mm-hmm. so and like we both have our own shared passions and our individual passions so you know like i don't i don't throw a hissy fit if she goes on a girls weekend away and spends a chunk of change and she doesn't do the same if I, you know, she doesn't throw a hissy fit if I do the same, like if I go out with the guys or whatever. Yeah. So like she's been, initially it was a bit of a, you know, it was a bit rough because I lived in, my old house used to be essentially across the road from the airport. So whenever people traveled from out of town, they would stay at my old house because we had room. So oh, okay, like, yeah some weekends i remember the notorious that we had we had like fucking 12 people in our house like 12 war gamers oh. and like a and like a four bedroom house and she was like what yeah. is this and i was like oh sorry love can you just deal with it for a weekend you know like seven people sleeping in our lounge you know like we've shipped our son up to my parents up the road because you know we needed their bed and we needed his bed sorry so Oh, you know, that was um, that was good time. So she's been very tolerant, but like she's also quite social, and because the people that are in the community are as cool as they are, it's been a pretty easy sell. You know, if I'm like, okay. "Hey, can Clint from Australia come stay?" You know, can Liam or Hayden from Australia come stay because she's met them. You know, can Joe from America come over? And she'd just be like, yeah, or like in one of the local lads, can Tubby come over, can Lee come over, man, or whatever. She doesn't have an issue with it at yep. all. So, you know, like it's, yeah. Initially it was, she was cost hesitant, but as uh, as we got older in life, we, you know, our, life, our lifestyle and our lives and sales have changed. So it hasn't been too bad. So, yeah, 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 fair enough. Oh, that's good then. Has she been interested or have you tried to encourage her to play or do you think it's just sort of your own thing? Yeah, nah, fuck that. No way, eh? <laughs> <laughs> she, she has no interest in playing. She'll randomly, maybe like 
and I mean very randomly, like maybe once every six months at a push, she'll pick something up and just paint it because like yep. like every other female, she has like a craft itch in her. So um, yep. she'll want to like paint something or build something and she might do that for a couple of hours one random Saturday and then she's like, all right, I'm done. It's out of my system. So I've, I've never <laughs> I've never got her to try play. She's not interested. That's fine. Like it's each to your own. Like she's got her own hobbies. I got mine. And then, um, yeah, she might randomly just paint one dude every six months, and that and that's it. And I've never pushed her to do anything else. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Have you got any like grudges going on with any of the Australian players besides Gammy? Because I know you guys <laughs> have done the Trans Casman Cup. Yeah, man. Is there anyone you wanna? You want to call out for a grudge or something like that for future? If you want to get him over to come over to New Zealand or you come over to Australia, Uh that's a good question. I eh? like. No, I like. I got no bad beef with Kimmy. I like him. I'm, I'm stoked that I got to play yes. him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh no, I don't. I don't think so, man. Like, I played. So yeah, we've we've done the NZ couple a couple of times, uh, which is yep. the the team like the one round team tournament we do uh, the day before CanCon in Canberra. And just, this is more for, I'm assuming you know, Sam, but just more for the listeners if they don't know. Yes. It's, the team is, like, Australia picks their best players, like the cream of the fucking crop, right? Like, all these studs. <laughs> like, you know, five-star recruited studs. And New Zealand just plays whoever can afford a ticket to come to Australia. Yeah, um, that makes sense. So, so <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, the first year, I think it was five players, and then I think the next... The second year it was eight or nine and we haven't been back over since but we've won both of them which has been cool uh but full credit to those those five-star recruits out of australia we've only ever we've won both times by one game so um okay so at least they're close then <laughs> yeah so it's i mean like it, it's i don't know it's your cream of the crop is like only marginally I, worse I'm i not guess because i'm from new zealand as well oh, there you go buddy <laughs> there you go so you got four hundred dollars in your pocket and a warhammer army you can come play in the new zealand team too you know but, <laughs> but if you're in australia there's actually a selection process so no nah, there's, yeah. there's no one really um you know like no one specifically i want to i want to play um i played hayden uh walker after he he won the first sydney gt and then i won the second one and we played at the CanCon 2020 uh, teams, the Anzac Cup matchup thing. And I mm-hmm. and we were sort of joking yep. that like, whoever wins is the best Sydney GT champion. Um, and and he won. He slapped me. So I was like, okay, you're the better <laughs> Sydney GT champion. But I might have been talking a bit of shit before the game, but I sort of stopped partway through it. So no, no I was like, Hayden's definitely the better Sydney GT champion. So no, I'd like to, yeah. um, I'd like to play Dave Kerr, but I get the feeling he'll just pants me to be honest. Hey, he sounds like he's pretty fucking onto it. He's a rough matchup, that's for sure. Yeah, but yeah. I've, he's my, my rival at the moment, and he's taken me three times and two in like the last two tournaments I played, like in the last game, sort of in the last of a few things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to play Gabe as well because I saw that he played, um, he played some shoot casts with his Slanesh and he won. I yeah, think it was, yeah, and yeah. I was like, "How the fuck did that work?" Like, you know, like I'd like to play the the Dwellers Lads, but only Sam Morgan plays out of them, from what I understand. Yeah. And I've played Sammy before, and I'll play him again definitely. Um, yeah, you know, oh, Adam Burt's probably someone I want to play, but I don't know if he plays anymore, eh? 
So I'm not sure about Adam either. Yeah, he grudged um he grudged Tubby at the last CanCon and Tubby mm-hmm. beat him quite convincingly and I think Adam was a bit upset about that and then he went and won on went and won <laughs> five games in a row. So he was playing like ogres and Tubby was playing gets. So yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah. Well we've got but, some fan questions as well. If if there's no other people you wanted to chat about over there, no, no. So sorry, just quickly. Everyone I've played in Australia, I've played probably about fourteen. No, I played more than that. I played three tournaments in Australia and a couple of games <laughs> the day before, and I haven't ever yep. had a bad game against any of the Australian lads ever. So I would happily play anyone from Oz again and anyone that I've played at those tournaments mm-hmm. again. Like, you know, I never once felt like anything shit happened other than maybe my own gameplay. So. Um, yeah, yep, fair no, enough. <laughs> like, I happily, I love playing new people. So in Australia, there's a really good community. So let's fucking do it, man. Like, yep. I'm, I'm not fussed. Probably not cross welfare because Age of Sigma game shouldn't take four to five hours to play. You know. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Chris is <laughs> that really... seems to be our games. Our games. Yeah. We get to turn three and have to call it a draw because the points are even. because uh, Chris... our it's games also... take four or five hours. Yeah, it's because Chris is really slow at playing, so it's quite frustrating. <laughs> he grudged me at CanCon. <laughs> And I lost my whole fucking lunch break because he was um, still deploying. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but but then the whole the down under parents fucked up, so it was fine. But no, I'd, I'd play I'd play Chris again. Yeah. Chris is a babe. I fucking love Chris. Uh, but sorry, fan questions. Let's go. So we've got you've done Gammy already. So we've got Gammy Dayton Gammy. the Thong. Yeah. <laughs> How do you remain so humble with everything that is included in your whole package? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like to think that I am somewhat humble. Um, I never try to talk. I, I mean, like this is obviously not a serious question, but I like to no. try. Um, I like, like, I like to talk shit to people that I know and that I trust mm-hmm. because I'm quite monotoned as well. So, like in my head, I'm like, "Yo, that was a real good sarcastic joke," and the other people are like, "That guy is such an asshole." Because in my <laughs> head, I know I know how I'm trying to pronounce the word, but I forget that I'm super yep. fucking flat when I speak, and that everything sounds the same. So, um, <laughs> so I try to I not try not to be too serious with people I don't know on the internet, because um, yeah, I don't know how they're gonna receive stuff. So yeah, I just joke with my mates and shit like that. But anyway, I know it's yeah, not a serious question from Dayton, but I just try no, and give it an answer anyway. And then we've got. Jonathan, Mr. Azir Weekly. Mm-hmm. Shout out, Jonathan. Um, he's asking, if you play, if you win Masters twice, who's doing your Oscar-winning biopic? Who's going to play you? Huh. No idea, man. Who's a 6'3", fat white guy with a monotone? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who that person is? You know, like, taller, not skinny Jonah Hill? I don't know. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so no, I don't know. But winning Masters back to back would be pretty dope. We, we've had four Masters in New Zealand and we've never had a duplicate Master. So we've got four unique Masters. Um, and one of them is yeah. in France. And the other one is James Page, who won the last CanCon, who didn't qualify yeah. for Masters this year because he only went to like one event in the last year. Uh, he still plays. So, Gabe, if you're mm-hmm. wondering if. The ghost of James Page would come back and get you after the year to play him twice at the last CanCon. Uh, yeah, he's still out there, but <laughs> he just hasn't played a whole lot recently. Uh, and then there's me and Tubby, who are the other two remaining masters sort of in the field. So if one of us win it, wins it, it would be 
you know, somewhat history either way because it'll be the first time that there's a, a double master, you know, some masters want it more than once. And then if I want it, it'll be first time that there's a back-to-back master as well. So I don't like my yeah. odds, but I'm going to give it a go. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we'll see. You think it was a luck then, the last one? <laughs> you haven't got those armies to lean back on. Ah, not so much a luck one, eh? Like, I did play some fucking dope Warhammer over that weekend, but... Um, yeah, I had some really good matchups, though, man. Like, I, I was playing Luminaire, yeah, okay. and there was two matchups I was concerned about, and they were both um, and the Bow Snakes back when you could teleport the Bow Snakes and do that shit and double shoot with Marathi. And I um, I didn't have to play either of those matchups, so I was pretty happy with that, you know? Like, I just sort of got a bit lucky in that sense, but everyone else I played, yeah. I did well against. So, yeah, um, we'll see. See the meta isn't. The, oh, nice. The game is like in such a such a fucking like bring a bazooka to the to the match, eh? Like it's almost a rock paper scissors. It's yeah. a, you know, does my gun shoot bigger than your gun? And I don't mean like actual shooting. I just mean how much damage can you do in a turn? You know. Yeah. So and when can you yeah, do it? It seems to be pretty wild. And then with this new KO rules coming out and that new incarnate, it's a lot of interesting things happening on. Which I think is a nice thing that there's not just one big top army, um, which sort of helps as well. Uh-huh. Everyone doesn't bring the, the the bee's knees to a tournament and just hoping hoping to win because, as you said, with your what your two three with your stormcast list uh-huh. you had sort of fell apart. Yeah, yeah, and that was definitely a meta list at the time as well. So um, yep. just didn't play it well, and I played against three armies that could deal with it super easy, which were all Seraphon. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And are we looking to see Notorious podcast come back yeah. anytime soon? Yeah, so we actually so, <laughs> so we actually recorded like a week and a half ago, eh? So not this weekend just gone, but the weekend before that. And uh, I've been I've been slammed in my personal life. So uh, we did a mm-hmm. went to a tournament a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I went and Tubby didn't because he's relocated now and he couldn't make it and. Uh, we had a guest on James and me and James talk about our time at the tournament and then me and Tubbs just had like a general rant about the game after the fact. So I do need to edit it. I just really haven't yep. had time because I know, which I feel really shit about because now I'm sort of date stamping this. Um, <laughs> to, to be honest, because I normally like to get podcasts out like three to four days at the most because the game moves so yep. fast that people don't care what you sort of said two weeks ago or like con- mm-hmm. content's not as relevant you know so but we recorded yeah. it like adepticon weekend day so it's it's getting to you know this weekend it'll be two weeks old but i really need to get that out yeah anyway so well now you've now you've said it you've got to get it out yeah so i'll probably get messages from people being like why did you go on and record another podcast you fuck but you, <laughs> but you haven't, you haven't released our podcast. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, bro. So, um, anyway, so it, it's in progress. Yeah, it's we're not yeah. very professional or consistent. So, um, you know, that's a notorious experience. It's the no- notorious way. Yeah, notorious agency. Go check us out. We will release yeah. an episode when we feel like it, which at the moment is once every three months. <laughs> Yeah, oh, definitely. I'll have a link down for people that want to listen to that anyway, in case they're oh, interested in your backlog. Yeah. <laughs> have you made any 
Or have you thought about going to any of the bigger ones overseas, like LVO or anything in the UK and like that? Yeah, so I've be actually had this conversation uh, the weekend just just gone, literally a couple of days ago, for a mate of mine who is staying with me, who plays uh, 40k very competitively in New Zealand, and he he travels to like all the tournaments in New Zealand, and he's telling me he's mm-hmm. going to LVO next year to play 40k, and he was asking if I could come to be a travel buddy to play Sigma while he plays 40k, um, yeah, but which I'd be dead keen on. Uh, however, like I couldn't, like, I can swing a, a trip to Australia to play Warhammer pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But if I was going anything anywhere further than that, and not taking my family, I think I'd get like the stink IA. And <laughs> so, so like the wife would have to come and our son would have to come, which is cool. Like that's fine. So it, it's it's just logistically a bit harder because we're like if, when I go to Australia, I take the Friday off and I fly fly over Friday. And I took the Monday off and I fly back Monday. Um, so it's two days off and it's just me. And it's real simple. Find an Airbnb or jump into some lads. It's super easy. But then when you're talking about going to like Las Vegas or like New York or the UK, you're like, okay, you spend like two days traveling effectively each side because the flight's so long because mm-hmm. we're so far away. And then you spend, yeah. you know, two to three days playing Warhammer, which is cool. But then you probably want to do something outside of that as well and make it like a holiday. So it's just... Um, yeah. So, yeah, one day, definitely, like, hopefully when our boys an adult, hopefully I'll be able to do that sort of just by myself. But um, to go beyond Australia within the next year or two might be a little bit of a push within the next year at least. Mm-hmm. But i got family all over the world, so we could just yep. make it a whole... Is holiday. New Zealand looking at doing a Worlds team at some point? Or have they made plans or tried to organise something for this current Worlds? Yeah, so the issue with that is we've made no plans for the current worlds. Uh, we do get asked, which is cool because it's okay. nice to know that people are thinking about us. But to be honest, yep. man, I just I really don't like winners' worlds. Is it May, or am I wrong? I think it's Mayish. Yeah. Yeah, like round yeah, the, June, July, May, somewhere around that three month block. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, honestly, bro, the biggest the biggest barrier is trying to find like eight or nine people that want to give up one to two weeks and want to spend, you know, I don't know, two to three to $4,000 on flights, if not more to fly to some um, Eastern European country and play Warhammer for a a few, you know, for a week, which to me sounds cool as shit, but (laughs) (laughs) but I, um, I don't know if there's, you know, seven other dudes in the community who might financially commit and, and get time off work and get time away from the family and all that sort of stuff. And I felt like if we were going to go, we'd want to take our best team. So I feel like it would be more like of a two-year project sort of thing. Like we would have to start planning two years out before we went because people will, Mm because everyone's in different financial situations. You know, everyone has different work arrangements. Some people are self-employed and people aren't, some people are contractors. So it's just... um, it's honestly the travel is the biggest issue. Eh? We used to in Warhammer Fantasy before I was around. There used to be a team okay. that went every second year. I think they did, just because again, like, not a lot of people can commit five, six, seven thousand dollars or however much it costs. I don't know. I haven't. These are numbers I'm making up. I don't. I have nothing to back this <laughs> up. I don't have a clue. I'm just making these numbers up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, just say it's in New Zealand dollars, and then people have to can't argue with that then. 
So they know that the New Zealand price for Warhammer is outrageous already. So yeah. seven grand's easy. Yeah, it is. It is outrageous, but yeah, it's all all different personal circumstances. Eh? So I would love to. Is the answer? Yeah. I would absolutely love to. And I could probably name yep. about three or four people just like that who would be super down and have the resources and could do it. Uh, but I just don't know if we could fill up a team, you know. And I think it would it would have to be a conversation for like twenty twenty four. Is what I'd say. And I don't know how well it would go, to be honest. Like, uh, we, we all like to think that we do above our weight, and we possibly do, but I don't know if we can consistently well, listen to me. Just well, I suppose throwing, you can judge it this way. See how the Australian yeah. team goes, yeah. and then just go, well, we're better than Australia, so we'd be here. <laughs> oh, see, I don't know if we are, but, yeah, I think we just we have our moments. So I'll just throw shade at the whole New Zealand community and hopefully they respond. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. No, I, I'd, I'd love to do awards. Yeah. It sounds cool. It sounds like the best, to be honest. Yeah. Have you got any future plans for yourself in terms of armies or sort of you're looking at running Notorious again? What's sort of your plans with all that sort of stuff? Yeah, man. So Notorious is happening in October of this year. I need to release the dates and the pricing and all that for that. Um, but we're doing sort of a movie notorious as to how we normally like to run it because uh, we've got a smaller venue and I was just at an event at the venue this weekend and it's way smaller than I thought it was. So we're going to have to tone it down. But then next year, 2023, okay. we're going to bring it back to its sort of former bigger glories to try and make it something that we do get international travels for. Um, mm -hmm. So that, yeah, in progress. And then armies. Um, no, I'm just sort of filling out my Luminef army. I'll try like to buy some dragons, but Stormcast dragons are sold out like throughout all of Oceania. So, um, yeah, I just wanted I to wonder why. Yeah, I just wanted to get six of them for Masters, so I had the choice, but I probably yep. won't get the choice. So, tough shit. Um, and then just if we, if we got like, if we got Dark Elves, right? Like, if we got Shadow Elves, I'll be pretty fucking, I'll be pretty honored, eh? Like, you know, uh, that's that's probably the last army that I can think of that I would like to come out. And there's something totally yeah, new you, comes you out. You and everyone else that I seem to chat to oh, are very everyone, Shadow Elves. Everyone's got the edgy <laughs> fucking emo teenager and then that wants to be black and purple and eyeliner, you know? Like, Shadow Elves are... <laughs> first of all, they're elves, so they're cool, but they're like edgy, dark elves. So, you know, they're like bastards, which is cool because I've been listening to... <laughs> I've been listening to a couple of Luminef audiobooks recently. I've been trying to get into the lore more. And oh man, some of yep. it some of it's a real hard listen, eh? Like just some of the the themes of in the books of um in the lore of them being better than everyone else and you know, but there's this overwhelming threat. It's a classic elf thing though, isn't it? It is. In the lore and in the game, they're always better than everyone else. I mean it is, it is, but like it's just I don't know, it's like it's a hard listen. <laughs> I've been listening to this one book for <laughs> eleven hours and it's almost there and I just don't want to do it, eh? I sort of hate listen, but Yeah. Yeah, it's not what I hoped it to be. So, anyway. Did you get into Lumineth because of the whole army look? And then when you heard about, like, Stone and Kangaroos and that, then just you, or did you find the whole play style of, of how they work with Techless and things like that pulled you in? Uh, no, dude, I've just always liked... I've always liked the, the high elf, dark elf look, like, from classic fantasy. Okay. So, yep. I was dead keen to get into any sort of light elves and dark elves as soon as they came out. And, um, and then someone 
and the playtesting team sent me playtesting PDS because there's another playtester out called Sean. Um, and obviously, <laughs> he he put, he obviously got the Sean's mixed up. Um, and he sent me five playtesting PDF documents that had the names of the armies on them, but the documents were PDF logs, so I couldn't get into them. Um, and so I knew yeah. about Luminef Realm Lords about eight months or so before the rest of the wider public. And as soon as I saw the name Luminef Realm Lords, I, I figured it had to be elves. So I started stacking up the bank account and getting ready for it. And then they gave us that, that one dumb box. Yep. And then, um, yeah. <laughs> Left then, you hanging for yeah. three or four months. Yeah, pretty much, man. And then Techless came out with some spearmen and archers and I brought a whole bunch of them and then um, some bind foxes and stuff like that. So... Yeah, I just I just like elves, you know. I don't really like wood elves, like because they're just sort of boring, you know. They're sort of basic. They're they're not really committing to any side. They're just sort of worried about themselves. Whereas like, so you are calling out Gammy then, because Gammy was the opposite. He's all about his wood elves because they were in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe I don't know if he wants to be <laughs> if he wants to be like, you know, pick a side, Gammy man. Come on, commit to something, you know. <laughs> um, and. How have you been taking Lumeth? Because I think you've gone more of the wind spirits now, haven't you? Rather than yeah, bro. So I listen. Yeah, so I feel like this, like the, the probably the build that everyone thinks about for Lumeth is like Techless and Fifty Sentinels, right? Or Free Foxes and Fifty Sentinels. Those are like pretty much the two builds you see. And traditionally, I played, um, I played Techless and Wardens and Sentinels. So literally, just like a god tier character who's very, very good, um, backed up with a, like 80 infantry, which was, you know, my mm-hmm. chief to grabbers, my combat, you know, doers and all that sort of shit. And they were, um, and that's how I played it. And that's how I won masters as well as with an army like that. Um, and I still think that army's still pretty good. I don't know if it's five Oh good, like consistently, I'd say it's four one because Teclis is just such a mismatch. If you don't, if you don't have like Nagash or Croak, he just does whatever he wants. Um, or yeah. Arcan is probably the other one. Arcan's probably, yeah, it's probably slightly concerning. But there's very few characters that like stop him from doing what he wants to do, which is dominate the hero phase and bullying the opponents with magic because he draws on 22 different spells or whatever it is. So he, he literally is just a one a one man army, and then oh by the way you've got these really cool spearmen, the wardens that are super good in combat, assuming they're buffed, and then the sentinel will just pick you off from everywhere. I mean everyone knows about sentinels, so I don't need to talk about them. Yeah. So if you can't turn off Teclas with like Nagash because Nagash has eight unbinds, which is more than enough, and he's unbinding like plus two or plus three, that hurts. Um, then he just mm. then Teclish just dominates every other matchup pretty much. Um, and then he had a foxes. I brought some foxes earlier this year, and I decided I'm done with painting, so I got a mate to commission paint him, and he did. And then I took him to the tournament that I just played at. I just took the Jack Armstrong fox list. It's, I didn't make up this list at all. I don't take any credit for that. <laughs> it's literally just a rip off of Jack's list, which is three foxes and a Lawseeker and Lord Regent and Fiddy Sentinels and then some Wardens. And um, that was just the most fun I'd ever played, I think. Um, I don't think my opponents appreciated it, but just <laughs> the, the... Who could have guessed? 
just the bullshit you can do with free foxes, man. It was just like, yo, I just do whatever I want and I go wherever I want. And oh, I pile away from you and I, I charge one unit, but I'm going to pile in six inches in the opposite direction to go get this other unit. And you can't hit me because, you know, you've only got one inch range. So the army's, the army's crazy, man. So, like, I'd say by heart, I'm a techless infantry player, but I, I've played about seven, eight games with the Foxes recently. And I quite like him, mm-hmm. and it's a possibility for Masters. So that's what I'm just trying to do at the moment is try to figure out what's the best army for me to play at Masters for the most success. Yeah. Do you have a thought behind how you want to take your list, or you just have enjoyed playing your Lumineth? And that's just something you want to sort of take to Masters. Yeah, so I have an idea in my mind, and then it's obviously up to me on the day to execute how well, uh, well, to execute that idea, and how yep. well I can execute that, or how easy I can make that for myself to execute. So, like, an example of that is my Lumineer, if I want to dominate Magic phase, I have Techless, I will take Zytrek because I get plus one to cast, so all of a sudden my whole arm is, like, plus two to cast, minus Techless who doesn't cast anyway. So that's me trying to minimize risk for doing what I want to do, which is really bully the magic phase. Because I still feel like if you have a very strong magic phase in this game, you you win more often than you don't. You know, you look at the croak combos, you know, you look at Nagash doing, I mean, I don't know Nagash is running rampant everywhere, but if he charges up seven, eight arcane bolts, he can fuck up your day, you know? Um, yeah. Zanks traditionally have also been very good at magic because they have good spells, offensive and, and buffing. Um, yeah, at the moment I'm just trialing stuff for Masters though, to be honest. Like I I need to see the pack. Okay. The pack hasn't been released, so I need to figure out what missions we're playing. And that will probably have the most impact over yeah. what I'm gonna play. If I'm gonna play Foxes, or if I'm gonna play Techless, or if I'm gonna play Formulators and Long Strikes, which will probably be the Stormcast, to be honest. So mm-hmm. um, I wanna play corn as well. I really wanna play corn, but if I come <laughs> up against any gun line, I'm I'm done. Like I, I come up against a KO yeah. army, my corn's done. You know, same if I play Foxes yep. and I come up against KO, I'm done. And I know there's a couple of KO players. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just sort of trying to figure just trying to predict what will be in the meta and then also I need to set the missions. Yeah. Yep. Does, do you find New Zealand's pretty strong with their meta armies? No. Because I know you were saying there was a lot of Zench around when Zench was big. Yeah. Or yeah. do people just sort of play what they want to play? Yeah. So... The price point? No, not really. We're not strong with our meta armies. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. We have a we have a smaller playing pool. You know, like I said, we only had like 130, 140 people in the rankings. So first of all, there's less players than probably everywhere else in the world. Uh, of those players, how many of those players want to actually chase the meta? And then in addition to that, how many players who out of that small pool that want to chase the meta have the resource to chase the meta? You know, so we've got like a, we probably have a bit of a lag, to be honest, in New Zealand with meta armies. Um, like you do see a handful of Legion of First Princes, and I think there's a one player that I know of from Auckland that has like 10 dragons. Um, but beyond that, you don't see too many hard meta armies. Um, Sylvaneth, when they were popular the first time, they were everywhere. And yeah, we do have quite a few Zench players, and we do have quite a few Marathi Daughters of Cain players. Uh, but beyond that, you know, it's like we don't have Croak everywhere. We don't have Gargans everywhere. We don't have Kragnos everywhere. Um, we don't have six long strikes and four Forminators at every tournament. You know, so... Yeah. 
So um, we're not what is... defined by the rest of the world, is what I'd say. Yeah. How does your community go with things like proxies and 3D prints and stuff like that? Are they, because of the pricing in New Zealand with the models and stuff, do you find that's a larger thing in your scene or most people don't sort of go for that sort of side? Um, the proxies, not like, yeah, man, not really. Like there's a few people that do like full converted armies that are like different models and that's fine as long as it sort of, you know, looks like it should look. Uh, people don't really play mm. proxies unless they're like, oh, my free guild um, infantry have spears, but I should have given them shields and swords instead of good. They're like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, yeah. so it's not like we're just running empty bases or different looking models. And then 3D printing, I only know of one guy who 3D prints in the community, eh? But like, it's not a big deal, man. If the, if the models look like they should, or if you're 3D printing yeah. a Games Workshop file, then. That's fine, man. Like, I just want, I want people to be included, you know, like, mm -hmm. so I, I don't mind too much of what people play as long as it's, you know, like, as long as it represents what it should and it is at least battle ready at a tournament, then, you know, like you do you, you, you know, like if you're printing stuff because you don't have a lot of money, then I'd rather you come than be excluded. So yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not like a, I'm not going to tell people how to do their own thing, you know, and how to spin their own army. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what sort of hobby like over there? Do people run many tournaments that are like just battle-ready tournaments or grey plastic? What sort of can people expect to try and come over for a tournament? Yeah, so to be honest, the standard is pretty battle-ready. Uh, Christchurch do have like a painting rubric and they normally work on like painting rubrics. So they'll have like, you know, minimum points and max points and they'll have like... A a 30 point checklist for like every tournament they run it seems which is cool and that's like what they do down there so that's cool uh so their hobby is pretty good for the most part it's bad already but i have noticed um just a couple of pictures of events around the country recently that there has been some um, allowances of like it doesn't have to be painted which used to be big okay four or five years ago when when ages was new and you just wanted the numbers but for the last couple of years, it hasn't been the case. So I don't know if, I, yeah, I was just looking at some pictures recently. I was like, oh, that army's not painted. So I don't know if it's, yeah, yeah. but it's sort of a case by case. But for the most part, it's pretty bad already. We do have some excellent hobbyists. We do have, um, we've got a local lad Sloan who was in White Dwarf recently, or well, not recently, last year, two years ago, maybe. Yep. For his KO oh, army. Nice. Um, and I think he's gone on to do like professional painting now. So I'm not entirely sure. He's, he's done very well for himself. Oh, wow. And um, we've got um, Eat Bray Love from Twitter. Yes. Um, Bart yep. from Auckland. He's by way of Canada. Um, so he's, yeah, he's up in Auckland. He's a painter who's probably well known uh, or somewhat well known on, on the internet and definitely around the country for his beautiful work. Uh, so we do have, you know, we do have really good artists, like every country. We've got good artists, we've got bad artists, we've got lazy artists. So, you know, like, it's just, <laughs> we're, we're like the rest of the world. We're just a bit smaller, you know? Yeah, yeah. And our Warhammer is like yeah. four times the price as it is anywhere else for some reason. I don't know, shipping tax or something, but whatever. <laughs> shipping tax, it doesn't seem to have like a, the same percentage for every model. Yeah, I mean... Like I used to get pissed off about that, but I don't now because I'm at a different stage in my life. But I was looking at the Shadow, is it Shadow and Paint? The Night Horde 
daughters. The uh, arena of arena of shade, I think. Yeah, whatever it's called. That box, Night Haunt and yeah. Daughters. I was looking at that recently because I'm in a couple of discords and WhatsApp groups, like probably everyone is. And someone was complaining that it was like 120 pounds or something like that, I think, in the UK from GW. Mm -hmm. And if you convert 120 pounds, it's like $230 here, New Zealand dollars. But then to yep. buy the box here, it's like $390 or something like that. So Jeez. yeah, it, it is yep. it is a lot. Um, but like it's a luxury hobby. It's you know it is what it is. Um, yeah, there is alternate ways that you can get stuff. You can go to China. You can go to UK and buy through the UK and then pay for shipping and tax, or you can get a three D printer, yep. which seems to be pretty common these days. Um, especially in the the Warhammer forty k community within New Zealand, that's really big on three D printers because they send mm -hmm. it pretty hard. Um, so yeah, there's there's ways around it, but we do seem to spend a lot more for hobby in this country but i don't know why so where can people sort of find you on socials uh yeah so i'm at aos sean 89 on the twitter i believe i'll stop right here about me checking and uh that's that's really it. like i have facebook but i don't use it for hobby stuff really like we have a the new zealand warhammer community page which i use it for but I'm not really big into Facebook. You know, I use it for Messenger and that's about it. But just hit me up on Twitter if you uh, like what you heard or if you didn't, you know, come give me feedback or not. <laughs> Interact, we can go from there. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you can check out our podcast, which myself and Tubby do uh, with When We Can Be Bothered, which is meant to <laughs> spotlight the New Zealand community, which is Notorious Age of Sigma where we talk about um, events and lists and stuff like that. And sometimes we talk about books if we think they're worth talking about. Yeah. Well, I'll post all that below. Mm -hmm. um, so that way, if people want to try and find you, they can just find the handy little link down there. Fantastic. Um, but thanks for coming on today, Sean. It was good to chat to you. Someone from New Zealand as well, because I've not l known much about my home scene. Um, mm. So that's interesting to hear about. Mm -hmm. No, fantastic. Just currently so. drinking a beer. <laughs> oh, it's just iced up. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, yes. Straight <laughs> ice coming out the top of my beer. So I was like, uh, where's that gone? But no, thanks for having me on, man. Very much appreciate it. Uh, always happy to shout out the New Zealand community. Um, always keen to jump on and talk to homies and, and people that I'll hopefully meet in the near future at events, whether it be here or abroad. You know, like, I just love talking to Hammer. You know, it's a good thing to do yeah. on a Tuesday night. So thanks for having me, man. Love what you've been doing. No worries, you're most welcome. Well, we're having some more people from New Zealand coming on shortly, um, so that'll be a oh, let's go. You got Jono to look out for. Yeah, we got Jono coming on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming on next week, so satire we'll weekly. Let's that. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Sean. Have a good rest of your night. Uh, you too, my friend. As if by magic, the notorious Age of Sigma podcast was released after this recording.